Church, isn't it great that God is going to make good things come about because of all the struggles you're going through? Isn't it great that God is going to cause good things to come about in your homes and your households because of all the pain and loss that we're going through right now? Isn't it great that God's going to cause good things to come about for his church around the world through all the battles that we're in and all the tension and trials that we're going through? Isn't it great that God is going to cause good things to happen in you and in me as a result of this time in history that we live in and all that we're experiencing? Usually when people start talking this way, myself included, it gets some good eye rolls. And I'm probably getting some eye rolls from you right now. Oh, there goes Dave, just being glass half full, optimistic. It's not realistic, Dave. Well, I'd like to read you a promise from God that actually is even a little bit stronger than anything I just said. And it's not his optimism. It's a God who knows the future and is making a promise to his people. So can I read you a promise that takes those statements and puts God's words to it? It's Romans 8, 28. It says that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I'll read it again, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God's optimistic. And we should have hope because he makes promises like this. You know, the people who have been the most encouraging to me personally over the last several months with so much pain, so much trauma, and so much isolation, and so much loss, have been those who have been able to speak hope those who have been a voice of hope in the midst of the storm. Um, sometimes I've been able to be that voice for others, to speak words of hope, to have actions that are hope-filled. Uh, and other times I've needed people to speak that hope into my heart because I've been running low and needing hope. But hope is not the same thing as being naive. Hope that God can do anything. Hope that God has a plan. That's what we hope for, what our hope is in, what we have faith in. But empty hopes and wishes and dreams of our own could just be that. What I just read is not an empty hope and wish and dream of mine. It's the word of God that we believe is inspired and inerrant and stands the test of time and will always stand the test of time. It's God's thoughts on things. So when God says, Christians, you know that I cause everything to work together for good. He's not saying that everything is good. What we're going through is vastly not good. It's traumatic in many ways. But he can even cause trauma and pain and loss to somehow give birth to good things. You know, out of the ashes, something good can come. That's God's power. He's a creating God. He makes something out of nothing. He's a resurrecting God. He makes life out of death. This is his domain, and it's really what we need right now. We need to be people who speak 
hope into the world. And not the kind that when someone's sharing with us their loss of a job or a loved one or, or their fears, we just say, oh, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. That's not what this is saying. This verse here, this promise doesn't actually promise that everything is going to work out fine and everything is going to be positive. We don't know how things are going to develop in our country and the world. We don't know how people will behave, how they will react or overreact. We can't even sometimes know how we ourselves will behave or react in given situations. But God is saying everything, the good and the bad, he can work with. That's raw materials he can work with. And for those that are with him, he will use those raw materials as broken and fragile as they may be to make something good. And so there's our hope that God can do good with the mess that sin makes out of this world. So what I wanted to do in this conversation is to meditate on the word hope. Uh, sometimes we study scripture. I don't want to study scripture this time. I want to meditate upon it. Um, some of you may have a practice of meditation, meditating on God's word. There's a long, rich history in scripture of meditating upon the words of God. And it is different than studying. Study is where we look to intellectually understand what God uh, is teaching us, where we look to take lots of scriptures and like build upon them and uh, gain a breadth of knowledge and wisdom. Meditation from the Bible's perspective is different. Meditation means like filling our hearts and our minds with thoughts of God. So it has an emotional component to it as well as an intellectual component. And actually this is what makes Christian meditation, Judeo-Christian meditation, different from some forms of Eastern religions and their meditation. Because a lot of times in Eastern meditation, from what I understand, uh, those seek to empty your mind, to calm yourself by becoming nothing, by releasing everything. Well, the end result of that, if it was achieved, is just nothingness and emptiness. The end result of this is being full, filled to overflowing with maybe a single thought or a single realization or a single emotion or a single concept about God. So I would like to fill our hearts with hope based on God's word. And I'd like to meditate on that because I think that that will be transformative for us. You know, the Bible talks about um, having changes of mind, changes of heart. In some places it's called repentance, um, where you actually just change from not believing in God to believing in God. Your whole mind and then your whole body, your whole attitude just shifts directions. But that concept of metanoia, of uh, repenting, of shifting, turning away, actually applies for us as believers in the areas in our lives where we're not bearing fruit for God in the areas of our lives where we're not exercising our faith. We need a change of mindset there too. We need a change of thinking. And uh, I think we could all use some hope. And even if we're great at giving hope, I'm sure there are days where we need it ourselves. So would you let me read this for us again? We're going to take a moment for silence, just a quiet moment to ask God to speak to us. And then I'm going to ask a series of questions to help us reflect upon this word. After that, I want to read a story from Jesus' life where hope kind of played itself out practically. And then I'd love to have you with whoever you're with just sit and discuss the concept of hope and what it means to you, what you hope in, and um, how you can live in hope in a world which really needs uh, hope. Uh, 
so badly right now. So if you would, can we just take a moment for silence and ask the Holy Spirit to just uh, get us ready for whatever it is that he wants to say to us. we probably don't have enough silence in our lives and uh, I encourage you to practice silence. Silence is not the same thing as solitude, it's not the same thing as isolation. Uh, we probably need companionship and fellowship now more than we need isolation, but times of silence are really a necessary and healthy balance for all the ways we're inundated with voices and music and sound and media and opinions and social media it's non-stop. So taking a moment to be still and know that God is God uh, is, in addition to meditation, it's a, it's a rich spiritual discipline. I encourage you to practice times of silence. So let me read this verse for us again and then ask some questions. Just think, stretch our minds. What is this hope? Romans 8.28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love and are called according to his purpose for them. What would we say hope is? If you were trying to define the word, what is hope? Is it the same thing as faith? Are faith and hope kind of synonymous? You know, I hope, my hope is in God, my faith is in God. That's an important thing to reflect on as we meditate. I think Hebrews 11.1 1 answers that for us. It's the definition of faith, and it includes hope. So it makes a distinction between the two. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, uh, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The confidence of things not seen. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So hope are actually practical things we hope will happen. Hope is tangible. Hope is touchable, experiential. And faith is trusting that those things are going to happen. So when you say we have hope, it can't be a general sort of word, a generic term. It's what do we hope will happen? So do you have hope? What is your hope for your marriage? What does that look like practically? Do you have that hope? What's your hope for your children? What are the practical things you hope to see? And do you have faith that God is able? What's your hope for this world in terms of economy? In terms of race relations? In terms of peace and unrest and riot? What are your hopes? Hope is something that you experience. It's something we're looking forward to. And a Christian can have confident hopes because we trust and have faith in God. 
So that needs to be where we start with our meditation. What are our hopes? We could ask the question, where does hope begin? And you may have lots of things come to your mind. Where does hope start from? What's the, what's the, the birth of hope? Uh, it occurred to me that hope can come from uh, really devastating circumstances where everything is so bad, we, we have to hope for something better. So hope can arise actually when we see failure, when we see loss. We recognize this is not the way things are meant to be. God promises more, and then we hope for something else. So negative experiences can give birth to hope. It also occurred to me that we can get hope by someone else's example, by seeing how Jesus lived, by seeing another believer have it. We recognize it, and we say, ah, oh, that's what it looks for, looks like. I want that too. And then obviously the Bible just like this verse that we're reading here. If that's true, then what do I have permission to be hopeful for? And do I have the faith to really hope for those things? We could ask the question, what are trustworthy sources of hope? If we're waiting for our politicians to get it right, I don't know that any hopes, practical hopes based on that precondition are very likely to happen anytime soon because people are people. And even those of us who follow God don't always have clarity about what to do or say. We make mistakes. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if we're waiting for sin to be eliminated so things can get better, that's not a good trustworthy source of hope. If we're waiting for ourselves, like if we're just there, if you want something done right, do it yourself. If I was involved in that, we're not trustworthy sources of hope. We fail ourselves and those around us all the time. That's why we need humility and grace. And God is the only trustworthy source of hope. When he says something, we can trust it because he's not fickle. He doesn't change his mind. He's steadfast. And his promises are yes and amen in Jesus. I'll be thinking about that. I hope this will happen in my marriage. Well, is it fully dependent upon you? Risky. It's a risky hope. Is it fully dependent upon the other person? Changing all their ways and fixing all of your problems? It's risky. Your hopes for your children, your hopes for the economy, your hopes for race relations, your hopes for peace in our cities and streets. The hope has to be resting in God. Otherwise, it's a risky hope. It's more of a roll of the dice than it is something we can have faith in. So again, hope. What do we have hope in? Who are we trusting to make sure that those things happen? What are the outcomes of hope? What will it look like? Will we have more faith? Probably. When we see something that we've had faith and we hope for come to pass, it, it, it fills us with joy. There's like a, an ecstasy there, just like, wow, I can't believe this thing happened. But there also can be patience as a result of hope. Got to wait for it. In the verse right before ours, it's Romans 8, uh, 24. Uh, it says, Now that we are saved, we eagerly look forward to this freedom. For if you already have something, you don't need to hope for it. 
But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently, patiently and confidently. So patience and confidence are outcomes of living by hope. Frustrations also, disappointments, can be a result of living by hope. If we've put our hope in the stock market, in our company, our employer, in the behavior of other people, we could really be subject to some serious disappointments and losses and anger and frustration, um, but we won't feel that way when we trust in God. So the source of our hope and the outcomes of our hope, defining what hope actually looks like, we want to fill our minds with these things so that we can be people of hope. A couple more thoughts to ask before we read the story from Jesus. What are some obstacles to hope? What are the things that derail our hope? Well, fear. Fear that this may never happen. That can be an obstacle to hope. Impatience or being impulsive can be an obstacle to hope because we have to wait for it. Like we said, other people can be obstacles to hope because we're hoping for this thing to happen, but not everybody's getting on the same page. And some people are actively working against the things that we're patiently hoping for. Obstacles to hope. Satan is an obstacle to our hope. If examples of people who live in hope are good for us, then examples of people who lose all hope can weaken our faith. It can be hard to see someone give up and not have it impact us. And yet when we see someone stand and hang in there, loving and trusting, it encourages us, it lifts us up. So obstacles. And then maybe the last thought that I could ask as we meditate on what this word means is uh, Peter in 1 Peter uh, writes that we have been born again into a living hope. What would it look like for us to be born again into a living hope? We're living it. So we're living hope. But we're living in hopes of what will happen. We practically exhibit hope. And yet there are hopes that we're waiting for. Living as hopeful people, speaking as hopeful people, people of hope. But it's an alive thing. It's not just a wait thing. I think that's one of the most beautiful ways to reflect on hope. A living hope. So we've been born into as believers. Living hope. So if you were on your own, I would encourage you right now to take a few minutes and just sit in prayer and in thought and focus on the word hope and ask yourself, do you have hope? Do you not have hope? Where are you going to find hope? who can come alongside you in hope. How will you live a life of hope this week? Is your hope being weakened or is it being strengthened? Those are the right ways to kind of sit and meditate on the Lord. And if we can fill ourselves with hope versus emptying ourselves of all fear, I believe the Bible's wisdom on meditation is far superior to any other form of meditation you'll find out there. I'd much rather be filled to overflowing with hope in a trustworthy source for the things that we have faith that God will do versus feeling like I've been able to just purge myself of fear so now I'm neutral. I'm at peace. Peace, faith, hope, love, right? All of it. Hope 
is the living hope we need to live in. So let me read the story that I had thought to share with us. And it's the story of Jesus and his friend Lazarus. So I'm going to read this and then there'll just be a few questions at the end that just put up on the screen and uh, ask for whoever you're with. Just take some time to think and to talk about these things. But let me read this story and just consider hope, what people were hoping in, how Jesus handled hope, and what we might be able to take from it. So chapter 11 in the Gospel of John. A man, Lazarus, was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Now her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, the one you love is very sick. He cared a lot about Lazarus. He was a close, dear friend. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God. Wow, his sickness was going to bring about glory for God. A good thing was going to come out of sickness. I, the Son of God, will receive glory from this. So Jesus is going to do something miraculous and be glorified through this. All right. So that's what Jesus stated before anything else happened. He knew. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days and did not go to them. And finally, after two days, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. They had hopes of what would happen, and Jesus didn't make them instantly and immediately come true. He did eventually, but his timing was part of his plan. Notice the waiting that was involved in their hope and his fulfillment. Verse 8, his disciples objected. Teacher, they said, only a few days ago, the Jewish leaders in Judea were trying to kill you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. As long as it is light, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. Only at night is there, no, is there danger of stumbling because there's no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, that means he's getting better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was having a good night's rest, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. Then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I wasn't there because this will give you another opportunity to believe in me. The faith in hope outcomes. Come, let's go see him. Um, Verse 16, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too. And let's die with Jesus. That was their expectation. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Now, Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to pay their respects and console Martha and Mary on their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. So like an accusation, but also faith, right? That's us. We doubt and we trust and we need greater faith always. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, when everyone else rises on resurrection day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life for believing in me and will never perish. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she left him and returned to Mary. 
And she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Now Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house trying to console Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. Now when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell down at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, he was moved with indignation and was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Why couldn't he keep Lazarus from dying? And again, Jesus was deeply troubled. Then they came to the grave, and it was a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, said, Lord, by now the smell will be terrible. He's been dead for four days. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I say it out loud for the sake of those people standing here, so they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out, bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. The hope was that Lazarus would be okay. And they had faith, but their faith wavered because he wasn't okay when or how they expected but Jesus knew he would be okay. Their faith was well-founded in him. And he came and said, this is going to be the answer to your prayers. Not in the way you expected, in an even greater way. God caused all of these circumstances to work together for the good of those who love Jesus, who are called to be his friends, to follow him, called with purpose. Lazarus was resurrected before Jesus was. But just as Jesus predicted Lazarus' resurrection, he went on to predict his own. This is the faith in the hope. What's the practical thing that's going to come about? Well, God knows. And he promises he will work all these things for good if we have faith in what he can do. I think the most powerful thing we could say is God is capable of anything. God can. There's nothing he can't do. If that's the basis of our hope and practical outcomes based on the power of God, then we truly have faith. So I pray that our hope will grow. It'll gain traction. It'll expand. And I pray that our faith in these things we hope for will grow as well. We need great faith in times of great struggle. We need great hope. And so I pray that as you talk with those who are with you, as you take time to meditate further on what hope is, that you will find practical, tangible ways to live out hope and to be a light in the world this week. May God bless you.